coming up in one minute. Hey, man, so uh, first of all, I just got off the phone with Vince Gill. Oh, I hate that guy. And that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> he said, y'all have a contest to see who's, who's the nicer nice, guy. Yeah, asshole. <laughs> no, he's great, man. You know, I get, I've been lucky over the years. You kind of assemble all these cuts, you know, and after a while, you, you know, Karen put together a whole list of artists that did my songs. And I was, I was like, damn, man, you know. Surprising. Yeah, it's, it's like, like Kenny Rogers and Alabama and Garth and Keith Urban and Brad Paisley. And for myself, I never even thought about writing for other people. It didn't really cross my mind. We sent some songs around for the first time and it was like, boom, boom. I got a couple cuts. And I was like, gosh, you this, better is, be- this is really cool. I'm glad you're nice. Because <laughs> if you weren't, I'd be like, fuck you, man. <laughs> I was always going like, oh my God, I gotta sell some records or I'll get I never did get dropped from a label, but I was worried about it. A few of course times. you never got dropped from a label. <laughs> <laughs> what a son of a bitch. Bag <laughs> Around Podcast is brought to you by Lone Star Dry Goods, a collection of handcrafted quality goods with a truly unique Americana vibe. Visit the world headquarters in the heart of downtown Abilene, Texas, and Willow Park, Texas, Fort Worth. Visit LoneStarDryGoods.com for more information. I'm show producer Matt Pivato. Before I formally introduce today's guest, Jack will be taking off next Wednesday, Thanksgiving, but will be returning for weekly Wednesday episodes in December. Today's guest is no stranger to country music. He has won four Grammy Awards, three CMAs, and four ACMs. He is a member of the Grand Ole Opry, Kentucky Music Hall of Fame, and recently inducted into the Musicians Hall of Fame. And he has written number one songs for Garth Brooks with Long Neck Bottle, Where the Black Top Ends by Keith Urban, and Nothing But the Tail Lights by Clint Black. He is a musician at heart and arguably one of the nicest guys in country music, Steve Warner. Remember to check the audio description for a link to watch this episode on YouTube or for bio, social media, website links, plus more. Or visit jackandronshow.com. Without further delay, here is special guest Steve Warner with your host, Jack Ingram. Hey man. Hey, hey. What's up, Jack? What's happening? It's good, good to see you. It's good to see you. Yeah. Hey, nice to meet oh, you. Yeah. I remember he used to be with Gary Allen. That's he's right. Like, he's a cool dude. I like him. He's a great he's guy. I've never done Yeah, very cool guy, man. Like really him. good guy. He don't let anything bother him. He says, oh, whatever. Hey, man. I'm well, run. he's like a true. Okay, I'll see you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I'll be back up the room. Right. You staying here? Thanks, Al. Yeah, we're staying here. Hey, thanks for doing this. Yeah, man. glad to do it. I was going to say thanks for having me, man. Let me turn my phone off. Yeah, well, that's we played last night in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Oh, how was that? It's great, man. A new place called uh, JJ's. It's really good. Fayetteville, that's where university is, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty I good. I used to play this little place there. It's the last time I got in like a fight from the stage. <laughs> It was one last night. It was not uh, before I went on. I wasn't there, but it was right there on the strip in Fayetteville. And it was an underground bar. Mm. Like the bar was up top and then the music part was downstairs. Wow. And it used to be packed with college kids and somebody said something stupid and I started playing. You were in the fight. Yeah. It's like, it's the first time. It's the last time I got in a fight from the stage. I mean, I was 20. It's not smart for people to try to, you know, my brother, a band I was in when I was a kid, my brother, I learned from him, my older brother. Yeah. You don't want to start a fight with a guy on the stage that has a guitar in his hand because he used that sucker. No kidding, man. A lot of times. I saw well, him. The, the best you can do part this. You can do this. <laughs> I know. Have you ever seen somebody? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's in those tuners and, uh, you know. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, I got you. Hey, man. So, uh, first of all, I just got off the phone with Vince Gill. Oh, I hate that guy. And that's what he said. <laughs> he said, he said, y'all have a contest to see who's, who's the nicer nice, guy. Yeah, asshole. <laughs> no, he's great, man. What's he doing? What's he? He's, he's, he's being an eagle, isn't he? Yeah. It's so funny, man. I, I called, I called him like two years ago to, to see if he wanted to do this event that I have called the Mac Jack and McConaughey. Oh, it's yeah. a charity event that we do. And, uh, I said, hey, Vince, I think this was the first first year he was with them. I go, you want to come play this thing, just solo acoustic? And he goes, well, let me check. And he checked for a second. And he goes, I don't know how to tell you this without sounding really strange, but I got shows with the Eagles. 
That does sound strange. <laughs> like, that does sound really that does strange. Sound strange. <laughs> I'm with the Eagles. Uh, yeah, I'm with the Eagles that night. And, and that's him to be. That's him to think he's sounding. I don't want to sound like I'm. Let's talk about your career, man. I mean, it's been. That won't take long. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll take. Well, almost well maybe, years. maybe it will. <laughs> <laughs> take oh, almost no, forty man. years. When did you yeah. start making records? Uh I came to town as a player, so I came in town just being a player and, you know. Like worked. a bass player? Or? Yeah, came in. I played for Dottie West for three years. I was her bass player. She had a great guitar player named Jimmy Johnson. So right. she heard me playing up in Indianapolis and said, hey, we need a bass player. And she heard me playing with a band. And I said, she goes, can you go on the road? And so she was just on the road and found you? Yeah, she was. And Jack, this is so weird. She came out. I was up with the opening guys. I was a senior in high school. Oh, my God. And I was playing with this band in Nashville Country Club. It was over on the west side of Indy. And uh, not too far from the Indy 500. Indy and no place? Indy and no place. You got that right. <laughs> got out of there quickly as I could. No. Uh, but... uh I heard a girl's voice singing with me. I'd singing some song, Merle Haggard song or something. And I look around, it's Dottie. And, but who does this? Nobody does this anymore. She was back there watching my shit, watching us. I was just with the opening guys right. setting in. Really. She was just something in, the, I was in singing, the wings. Yeah. Just watching. And she came up on stage and started singing. And, and I heard a girl's voice. I go, there are no girls in this band. And, I was, <laughs> and then she came up. The only one who sings like a girl is me. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> I sing high, but, but anyway, she came out and sing, sing a couple songs and the but anyway long story i just went so you were fronting that band i was just kind of sitting and there was a guy daryl young his brother larry they were they were uh daryl and larry their, and their other brother uh, yeah i know <laughs> i thought of that too then we used to talk about that but great guys but i'd i'd go down there sometimes and set him with them and play and and whenever and they start their sister owned this club their sister right. and her husband and so they'd have they started booking these acts and Lo and behold, they had Dottie West one night. And I said, well, I'm coming. I'll be down there with you guys. And What size of joint is this? It was a... Uh, like a honky-tonk? Yeah, a it was like... A, if there's such a thing in Indiana, it was like a big honky-tonk. I mean, it probably... thousand people probably right. or something. Big place. And then she asked me after the show, she goes, our bass player's leaving our band. He's his, Him and his wife are having their first baby. He's getting off the road. You want to join? Can you go with us? And Dottie's husband, Byron, was the drummer and, and the well, soon to be husband and, and band leader. And they said, can you go on the road immediately? And I go, I'm a senior in high school. You know, I got to finish school here, you know. So uh, my semester break came up and I, you know, got it together and took early tests and left. No kidding. Yeah, I graduated, but I left a little early. And But anyway, I so I, they had a guitar player already. So I go, yeah, I play bass. I really, on that band, opening band, I was kind of playing bass and guitar, doing different things and do a few songs and whatever. And uh, I was used to that, though, because my dad had bands. And when I was a kid, a young kid, I'd play with my dad. Was band. he on the road? No, just around the area, sure. regionally, kind of, you know, he'd play. He had a regular job. He worked at a foundry, but he, my dad, but he. Uh, he had Did he a, write songs? Oh, yeah. He played fiddle. He, he was an old Kentucky fiddler. He played from Kentucky. He played, uh, but he was, and then he had a cool jazz master. He's a front man. He did the Bakersfield stuff. He did Ray Price. He did Ray was his favorite always. I told Ray. Was he doing was. originals though too? <laughs> Every now and then he'd throw in and I, and I was a little kid and I'd go, what was that? And he'd go, oh, I wrote that one. I was like, Oh my God, that's where I started getting hooked on writing. It's like, man, you, you rhymed all that stuff. Man, that's <laughs> good, man. You know? So I started trying to write when I was a young kid, but uh, I didn't, I was really just a player. I played with, Dottie West, three years. And then I played with a guy named Bob Lumen, who's from Nacogdoches, Texas. Or he says, nope, nope, I'm from Blackjack, Texas. It's a that suburb of Nacogdoches. Nac nowhere. <laughs> Bob would say, uh, he goes, I never could spell Nacogdoches. He goes, I finally got to where I could, and we moved to Waxahachie. You know? so, <laughs> T's silent. <laughs> exactly. I've always spelled Waxahachie with a T. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I worked with Bob. He was tremendous. I was with him for couple years would you play with him bass and they had a real good guitar player and then after that i started bob passed away at 42 years old right and uh, i made a record with him my first songs I ever had cut bob's neighbors one side of him was johnny cash the other side was roy orbison and then you're bob, kidding three of them yeah on caldale drive out in hendersonville wow. and so one day bob was made a comeback after being sick and he said uh, 
I'm making a record. My neighbor's going to produce it. And I went, your neighbor? And he goes, Johnny Cash. Johnny's going to produce my record. He goes, I want to cut some of your songs. I never had a cut yet. Right. And so I go, oh, my God. You know, he goes, I'm going to play these for John. If he likes them, we'll cut them. And so he went, and I want you to play bass on the record. So I go in the house of Cash in Hendersonville, and Johnny Cash is there. 76, 1976, Johnny Cash, man. And he. And you got to meet him, right? That's oh, the first yeah, time. Oh, yeah, yeah. First time I met him. Hi, I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm little, Johnny Cash. Right. Yeah, you would expect that, right? He was so nice. But, but, Bob called me in and said, hey, do that. Uh, got to have room to change my mind for Johnny. And I got on my knee and played Johnny's Martin. <clears throat> That's pretty heady and stuff, I sang, man. Oh, yeah, I was just a kid. And and I and I, uh, and I I played that song. And Johnny goes, and that voice, you know, he goes, I love it. Let's cut it. And I go, oh, I got my first cut. You know, I never had a cut yet. And then, uh, yeah. Victory. I know. And then Bob goes, do that Labor of Love song. And I do that. And Johnny goes, I love it. Let's do that, too. I did that. We cut four songs on that album. I played bass. And the guitar player on the 2 o'clock session was Waylon Jennings. He came in at 2 o'clock and played You're acoustic. kidding me. Uh -uh. How about that? And then from that same day, Paul Yandel was a lead guitar player on the session. He was a session guy. Larry London was playing drums. Right. And... Uh, Paul called me at the side. I knew him a little bit too. I knew Paul, but Paul called me at the side and he goes, oh, "These are cool songs." He goes, "I think if you," he goes, "I think Chet Atkins would want to hear these." He was right arm of Chet, right travel with Chet too, <clears throat> and so I, he said, "Give me a reel of some songs, some of your other stuff, and I'll take it to Chet. See what happens." What year is this? Seventy six. Seventy six. And so I got a reel together. Immediately got a reel and and. Uh, got a call from Chet one day and I thought it was my brother because he always my brother Kenny who still screws with you all the time he'll call up and say he still does he'll go hey it's Merle Haggard hey you know poor Merle died <laughs> you know and I'd go shut get out of here man and then so Chet called up and he goes hey man it's Chet Atkins I go get the out of here you know and you he thought goes, it was your brother yeah i go kenny come on man he goes no it's chad i go oh it is chad you know? oh <laughs> so God. i went down and uh, that led that same day let all that happened that led to me chet wanted to make a record with me he said let's go in and cut something to see what happens you know and so I, I got with him he listened to my songs and well let me back up he listened to my songs right. i came down he listened to songs and he goes let's go in and cut a couple things see how i went in studio b with him when we cut some stuff so what point, like, I think I guess that's, that's part of your whole deal. Like, you know that doesn't happen to, any, like, to just anybody. It's unreal. I mean, that one day was just crazy. And then about a week later, Conway Twitty cut one of my songs. He cut him already taken, which I, he cut it before I did. I had a hit with it. Right. And uh, But but I look back on that and go, good Lord. And I had all the, my dad had all the Chet's records and, he, my dad's favorite, the girl singer, was Dottie West. I mean, it's just weird how it all came about. But well, that's that's sometimes I wonder if it is weird. Yeah, you go. Just, just supposed to. At some point, you got to take it take it over, either let it build your ego up, or realize what a gift it is. Well, I'm a pretty faithful kind of person as far as I believe in. You know, I believe in. I'm a believer. I'll put it that way. So I think a lot of it is you make a lot of your own luck, and I think you work really hard too on top of that. And it's some things are just kind of destined to happen. I really do think you're supposed to do certain things. I think, you know, I don't know, but I think it's a, definitely a gift. You know, the music stuff is a well, gift. That, that kind of stuff is funny. It is a gift, but also it reminds me of, I got to talk to Chris Christopherson one time. Oh, man, love and, him. Man. And the way things happen for him, it sounds a lot like, what you're talking about custodian like, at rca yeah hanging out with Dennis hanging Hopper out yeah, yeah and i'm like and he's just like i go how did you do how, that's, how yeah, did you that's, do that he's like i didn't do it I yeah that's thought, i was just there yeah that's exactly <laughs> that's right you know that i think that's true uh, like i i want to ask you this like people ask me now they'll go they'll say how do you how's the writing thing happen and i want to ask you this because i really to this day I, I can't even answer that how do you write a song like how's it happen and i go i really don't know I, do you i mean can you put it in words like how does that i can't put it in words and i don't i, I, used I don't to get think so frustrated i can't when i, I was mean, younger i got really frustrated at at, at, at songwriters because i would i didn't i didn't come from a musical family and so i was kind of 
I thought you could read a book and figure out how to do yeah, this. There's, stuff. Yeah, there's yeah, like a uh, like a, a manual <laughs> yeah. or something. And everybody you know? kept all the great <laughs> songwriters were always just like, you know, it's a mystery, it's a muse, it's all I was like, bullshit. Exactly. There has to be exactly. A plus B. There's gotta C. be a way, yeah. There's a formula. But you know, I was lucky. Again, this is me being like when I went to work for Dottie West, uh I mean, this is unbelievable when I look back on it. I've never been out of Kentucky. My parents both are from Kentucky, you know, same little area, mm-hmm. across the holler from each other, they say. And, right. And uh, and then they moved to Indiana in the 50s. You know, we were all born. My oldest brother's a Kentuckian, but we were born in. But I've never been out of Kentucky and Indiana. It's the only places I've ever been. And I'll find, find myself in Nashville. Never been on an airplane. Like, boom, immediately Dottie does a Europe trip. I'm on an airplane. My first plane ride was to London. That's the first time I ever flew. You know, and I'm, I find myself, you know, I'm, that's in, I'm in Europe, you know, and I meet Chet Atkins on that trip. On That's when I met Chet in London. I met him in London, actually. That was like I'm going way back now in front of all the stuff I just laid out. But so I met Chet at Wembley Stadium. I met him in London. and and uh, So you're 18 years old and you're, yeah. and you're in Wembley Stadium? Mm-hmm. And then I and then I do my very first gig. Uh, I wasn't with Dottie a couple weeks, and she's doing the Opry, and it's at the Ryman still. It's down on Lower Broadway, you know, the, our, our off Broadway at the Ryman on Fifth. Were you real reverent about all that oh, stuff? Oh yeah, because my parents, my mom and dad, my dad was like, oh my god, he was. I truly mean this too, and I don't not saying it because it's my dad. He's been gone a couple years now, but my dad could have been a country star. I mean. Big time. He could have. Yeah. He could write. He could sing. He sang like Eddie Arnold, a cross between Red Foley and Eddie Arnold. He yeah. had that real crooner voice. Great pitch. I yeah. mean, great tone and pitch. But he had, I always said, I wrote a song about it with Don Slitz, too. I wrote a song called Caught Between Your Duty and Your Dream. Yep. And that's what my dad was. That's, it's about that. He was. He looked around and had six kids before he knew what was causing it basically you know, <laughs> you know? You know that happens that does happen you know and he is from kentucky you know so. yeah but uh, you know and then my dad was loyal to the family and didn't want to give that part of it up so but he could have been an opry star country star he could sing like a bird but and i love it that he got to live a lot of it through me yeah he got to see all your success yeah, yeah. and yeah. i when i was inducted into the grand Ole opry i remember you know, my dad is there. My mom was there. My dad, I look over my dad and Grandpa Jones and Chet Atkins are just over there talking. <laughs> I go, that is the best, man. And then my mom's over there with Porter Wagner. And I go, no, don't be talking to Porter <laughs> Wagner. We all know about Porter. <laughs> oh, no, mom. <laughs> mom. <laughs> no, no. I love Porter. He was great. That's great. But anyway, it's, I don't know. I've always, I'm one of those uh, people, Jack, that's from from an early, early, early age, I knew what I wanted to do. And there was never any question. I was wanting to do art and music. I'm, I was, my plan B was to go to Ball State University and study art. Right. And I do, and then this music stuff happened, you know, but uh, that was kind of what I was going to do as the music stuff was developing too. Because I've been, been playing since I was. So when you got to town and you had a, you had a gig with Dottie mm-hmm. and then you had, Chet Atkins calling you. So it happened relatively quickly. Well, it, it feels like that. It feels like it more than it was. I was three years with Dottie. And I had a couple of little labels. Dottie would push me you know, on TV shows and stuff. She would say, hey, let's we do duets. Her now, were du- you a reticent? <laughs> like, were, were you kind of dragging your feet? As far as being a front guy, well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is I was, she was, she was pushing me out there with her duets and stuff, and I would, and I knew that I wanted to be an artist or a front guy. Uh, I never once uttered the words "I want to be a star." You know, I was just always wanted to make music, and I knew I wanted to be a singer and the front guy. But uh, and I had a couple opportunities, like little things, but I you know, like some small labels and stuff. Some people were, came at me and were interested while I was playing bass with Dottie or Bob. But I just like, nah, I'm just going to wait till the right opportunity. When it's the right deal, I'm going to know it. And then the, it was Chet Atkins at RCA. And what I was going to say earlier, I was really lucky to get to be around with Dottie because I'd come on the bus, we'd leave to go on a trip. And back then we would leave for weeks at a time. Right. But I would get on the bus and Dottie would say, what did you write this week? And I go, oh, uh, she knew I was really loving the writing and studying it a lot. And 
and you know, 17, 18 year old kid. And she'd, I'd say, well, I wrote this and I'd grab her guitar and she'd go, that's cool. Why did you say that instead of, Oh, so she, she kind of gave you some constructive. <laughs> oh yeah, man. She was a great writer. Uh, the first female country singer to win a Grammy too, by the way, really? with her own song. She wrote it. Here comes my baby 64. Wow. How about that for girl power right there, man? You know, that's first female country. I was artist. thinking about that when, when I was driving up here, cause I was, you know, listening to her and yeah. kind of getting in. Sure. And I was like. But I was lucky with her because she was hanging around. Like through her, she goes, hey, this is Chris Christopherson. Hey, Chris. Hey, this is Roger Miller. Hey, Roger. This is Steve Warner. Hey, this is Mickey Newberry. Hey, Mickey. You got, hey. to, you get to meet and hang out with Mickey? Oh, yeah, man. How so was that? So all these people I got to know through. And then Larry Gatlin I knew through. Uh, when we my first gig with Dottie, we stopped and picked up the Gatlins on the way out to Reno. The Will Rogers of country music. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are crazy, man. He's knucklehead. He, yeah, he, oh, yeah. He plays some funky chords too. Yeah, but I was thrown in the middle of all these, not only the music world but the writing world because of Dottie. She knew, and Red Lane. I mean, I love Red Lane, you know. And you know, I remember doing a show with Haggard. Back in those days, when it he was he was doing the Dixieland stuff right. back in those days, and uh, so you know I got to write with Merle down the road. You know, fast forward now several years. And, you did, yeah. We wrote a song called uh, "When I Still Matter to You." I, uh, it was only I only wrote one with him, but but I'm so lucky, you know. And then down the road, I'm writing with Bill Anderson and all these guys. But Bill is awesome. Well, getting to getting to hang out with Christopherson and Mickey, and did you know Guy Clark? Yeah, I wrote with Guy Clark. We wrote uh, one of my big hits. I one of the I had a pretty good hit with a song called "Baby I'm Yours" that we wrote, and it don't sound anything like a Guy Clark song, really. But you, what you'd think of? Well, but, we, we'd have to hear him play it. Absolutely, it, that, I bet it sounded like Guy You song, know man. it. You know it. It would sound like a Guy Clark song. <laughs> he did it. That's a good point. But he was wonderful, wasn't he? He was just incredible, man, and loved that guy. And well, what what you said earlier. Reminded me of him because, uh, you know, he famously told Rodney Corral, you, you can either be a star or an artist. you got to choose. Yeah, I, that's great. I never heard that said that way, but that's really great. But it, it cracks me up now because I'll watch, I don't watch a lot of TV, be quite honest, but every now and then you'll see or hear young people and they'll go, what, so what's your aspirations basically? Oh, to be famous, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I want to be famous. Like, what? I know, man. That's so... I always figured it's crazy. I mean, my deal when when I was younger and even now is like the famous part is a is a is a necessity to to remain in the game somehow. It, yeah, it's a it's but a, it's not a it's a necessary evil. To yeah, me, right. It's not yeah, a, it's not a landing. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a destination. People don't know. You know, it's you know, it's it's even a. I always say that though. I say, man, I never ever once uttered the words. I want to be a star. I want to come to Nashville. I want to be a star. All the time since I was like 11, 12 years old, I remember in my mind, I'd, I'd listen to WIRE radio up in Indiana on my little transistor at night, real late, and I'd hear those You're DJs, listening to The Wire. WIRE, <laughs> Indianapolis. And they would play all these great country songs, and I would lay there and dream about playing at the Opry or doing shows. And I knew at that age I wanted to be – in Nashville, and I wanted to make records. Now, not once did it go through my mind, and I want to be a star, but I do want to make music, and whatever happens, happens. But I always tell people, I told Chet this once, too. I said, Chet, I'm th I don't know that, you know, I'm, I don't know that I'm a, you know, I don't necessarily think that I'm a, I'm not good at being a, I'm, I think I'm a good, I'm good at being an artist, but I never looked at myself as being other, anything other than, like a person that makes records. I don't know if that right. makes sense, but I don't think I make a good star if that's quote unquote, if that's what that is, you know, but cause I don't, I'm not good at just staying in the, I just do what I do. I play right. I like playing guitar. We talked about Vince Gill earlier. I know he feels that same way with me. We, he would just soon be somewhere playing guitar with the band than, Oh yeah, you're on stage. Hurry. You got this. And he's Vince would rather, he's like me. I'd rather, just sit over there and play with a steel guitar guy and work something up as to, yeah, oh, man. yeah, I got to go do that. Okay. Right. And I love the fans. Don't get me wrong. I love the fans and the can't believe. Well, the fans have stuck with, like, you're playing a thousand seater tonight. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be that place is really cool. I hear. So, yeah, that's great. Uh, but the fans have been beautiful through all this shutdown and all that. It, it boggles my mind. I, the first show I play after two years. Well, I did four shows in 2020, and all four of them were at the Opry. Oh wow! Two of them were totally empty seats, 4,400 empty seats, not one person in the building. And that's uh, hard. It's crazy. Of course, Bill Anderson said, you should be used to no people clapping at the end of your songs. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Bill. Yeah, I've, I've, emptied, I've, I've emptied bigger rooms than this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've had empty places, yeah, but, uh, but that's height, weird. At the height of having hits in the, in the 80s and 90s, were you playing arenas? Yeah, I, we, I played some arenas, and I did, I did some cool tours, too. I toured, uh, I did a, I toured by myself coast to coast, to coast Canada. Uh, and uh, it was a Chevy drive tour that was all big arenas and stuff. And we went from Vancouver all the way to the, to Newfoundland, to all Halifax, Moncton, St. John. You in the band? Yeah, just wow. me. We had opening people. Toby Keith opened on the western part of the country, and then from there on, it uh, Larry Stewart opened. And so, uh, and then I toured. Uh, I've been on some cool tours. I toured with Reba. We did basically the same thing with Reba. I, I opened for Reba coast to coast Canada and then all across the whole year. I, and I did a tour with Hank Jr. I toured, uh, I did a big arena tour with How Hank. How was that? It was nuts. You know, and I love Hank though. I love him. And uh, he was always good to me. And, but, and he would, he called it the Beauty and the Beast tour is what he called it. <laughs> <laughs> And I was young. Let me guess who the beauty was. I don't know. I'm not sure, Jack. But he was great. We had the same agent uh, who was a wonderful guy. He's gone now, Dan Wojak. He was just tremendous. But he he said, said, man, this is – he goes, bear with me, but this would be a cool tour. I was having hits, and, of course, Hank was Hank and having Mm -hmm. his big, gigantic hits. And so I went out, and we toured a ton together. And my very, my very, 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 very first Pretty contrasting styles. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had to – it was uh, once one part of the tour once in Canada. We had uh, the Kentucky Headhunters, and then me, and then Hank. <laughs> that was that's <laughs> what. <laughs> but my very, very, very first tour before I even had a hit record out, and I did cover songs, was uh, with the great Hall of Famer, iconic Charlie Pride. You're kidding! Me. I toured open for Charlie. Uh, I got a call from his manager, and one of the Dave and Sugar girls was real sick, mm-hmm. and they had to bail out on this about, I think it was seven, six or seven dates of the end of the tour. And so they said, can you get up to Halifax? And I, my first record wasn't even out on RCA. Chet and I were trying to make hit records and right. hadn't, hadn't got there yet. And uh, so I go, yeah, I'll do it. And so I flew by myself up to Halifax, and then I hooked up with Charlie, and then I flew over. Well, I think our first show was Halifax. Were you playing just with a band? or With Charlie's band. Charlie's band. And we were doing The Good Hearted Woman and whatever else I could think of. Yeah. Didn't even have a record out. And I played a couple things by myself that was going to be coming out. And and Charlie could not have been nicer. He was – I love that guy. He was a good guy. He was fantastic. And flew with him on his plane, and, you know, he – Treated me just like a king. He didn't even. I met him one time at a at a driving range <laughs> in uh, like Plano, Texas, and he. I, I didn't tell him I played music. He, I was just. He told talking. you your birth sign, though, didn't he? Your zodiac sign, I bet. No, he was just. He ta- was. He, you know, he could do that. I you didn't know that. How, how did he? He really? walked up to me first time I met him. He walked up and he goes, "You're a Capricorn." I go, "My God." I am. A I wish he didn't know. I wish he, I've seen him do that 20 times to people. And has he hit it pretty neat? Always. Never saw him miss it. You're a Sagittarius. Yeah. That's a trip. <laughs> he, oh, I don't know how he did it, but he could do it. I saw he him was do friendly, it. man. He was talking he was to everyone super on that. Nice. R- Rosie and his range. wife love her. And, uh, but anyway, I flew with him and, uh, you know, he, uh, always treated me like gold, you know? Yeah. And then my, and then I, I didn't even have a record out yet, you know. And he was so kind. And and then I, my next tour, I had a, my first number one was in '81. as a song called "All Roads Lead to You." And mm-hmm. and uh, then I, I toured that year. Barbara Mandrell was humongous. Had her own TV show. And oh, I remember. And they asked me to open for that to all the year, and which I did. And that was a that was incredible. We played 
some incredible venues. She was super, super hot. And then I, I did her TV show. She was hot. Too. Yeah. <laughs> she was hot. Smoking hot. <laughs> I love this show, man. This is the best. <laughs> she was hot. <laughs> she was. Born on Christmas, too, like me. We're both Christmas. Boys. Really? Yeah. Yeah, man. As Larry Gatlin told me not long ago, boy, you guys came in second on that deal, didn't you? <laughs> Being a Christmas baby, that's that's tough on birthdays <clears throat> when you're a kid. Birthday? No, What's no that? presents. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Some kids would go, we're having a birthday party when I was a little kid. And I go, a birthday party? What is that? I never heard of that. No kidding. <laughs> man, what a blessed career. <clears throat> yeah, I've been lucky, man. It's been good. Well, like say, well, yeah, like we say, life. but yeah, yeah, it's been great. I've, I really enjoy the, you know, I think as I get older, I look back on it and then I'm, I really enjoy the creative parts of it as much as anything too. the learning, you know, being in the studio with people like Jimmy Bowen and Tony Brown and Chad. And you still get, how, how often do you record to, stuff? I don't, these days? I don't do a ton. I write a lot. I write on a pretty regular basis, but I'll be quite honest with you. I'm doing artwork as much as I'm doing music anymore. I, painting I, or? Yeah, I do painting and I do, uh, during the quarantine, I started studying some different kinds of art that I never had done before, but I'd probably do, I did a Christmas album this year. It just came out. First record I made in a while, about five years. I Is guess. it uh, like traditional stuff? Or? It's a, it's a, it's about half and half, about 60% original, and then the rest is standard, you know, just some of my favorites. But I've produced it, and I played like 95% of everything on it. It's basically because of quarantine, I just didn't have anybody coming out. And I said, well, I play upright bass. I'll do it myself. You That's know, killer. Or mandolin. I played Did you everything. play the drums? I played drums. I played mandolin, upright bass, a little bit of piano. All the cool piano wasn't me. If you hear the record, it's <laughs> the cool piano is someone else. But I did play some keys, and I played, uh, uh, let's see, what else did I? I did all the background vocals. I arranged string quartet. When did you write the the original stuff did you write it various times it's some of the it's recuts. songs you've had yeah i wrote one with bill anderson years ago called christmas in your arms uh i've always loved that song and i wanted to i cut it for a compilation project on capitol years ago and so we recut it and then i did uh a, a, a song a couple of songs from an album i did christmas album i did in 1990 i recut on christmas morning i did that and our savior is born mm -hmm. i recut that one it's a real open tuning kind of thing, real, really sparse, you know, not much to it. It's real simple. And, but uh, yeah, I love it. And it's the first vinyl record I've had in 30 years. That was kind of cool. That's cool. And then I call up, you know, hey, can you, I'm getting, I'm thinking I got to jump on this, man, because I've really got to jump on it this year because I'm, I'm or here I am, I'm done in April and I'm calling around to get this press. I won't have any problem with, I've heard about these nightmares with pressing yeah. everywhere. I called, no, nah, we can't promise you by Christmas. What? In it's April? April, you know, nobody could uh, hardly, I found a place that, that wasn't in Europe too. It was here. And so a new place. It What's it called? Vinyl Lab. It's called. No, you the, the oh, album. <laughs> I'm getting ready to press my record. I was wondering. <laughs> Sorry. No. You got the number? Yeah, yeah. Let me give it to you. <clears throat> um, it's funny though, because I said that quickly because someone asked me that the other day. They said, "Where'd you, where'd you get that press?" Right. But uh, the album is called um, uh, "Feels Like Christmas Time," which is a song title song I wrote with Rick Harns. Right. And uh, there's a killer songwriter, Rick. Now these, uh, you say you're writing more than more so than not. Do you do you do your own demos or? Yeah, I do. I got a studio at my house there. We built a separate building uh, in 2000. One that's uh, that's a, a guy named Chris Huston designed it, and it's it's so I got me a place to record. Um, my joke is the cool thing is you just walk across the driveway and go to work. The bad thing is you just walk across the driveway and go to work. <laughs> you know, but that's uh, funny. I always say people ask me like, what's the best part about your job? I said, like, well, every night's Saturday night, every day is Sunday. So and then, title, title, what's the worst part title. about your job? Every, every night, Saturday, Saturday night. Yeah, that's, you know what, same, I know. But, uh, yeah, so I do my own demos, and I don't even think, I used to think demos or whatever, but anymore I just think. They sound like records. Yeah, I'm just cutting, you yeah. know, so. And uh, I love 
this album, the Christmas album, I, I really did almost all of it by myself. I brought in a couple of big guns or did stems. Did you engineer your own yeah, stuff Yeah, I did. Too? I engineered so you were most just in the of studio it. alone? Yeah, I did most almost all of it. My son, Ross, who lives in New York, uh, he's a studio rad and a composer and a, you know, he does video movie stuff and he's right. a keyboard guy. He'll do TV and movies, but he, he was down at Christmas. He helped me engineer a couple of things while he was there. How many kids do you have? I have four. We have two, Karen and I have two boys of ours. And then I have two stepkids that are there. One lives in New York and one lives in San Francisco. And then, well, Ross, our kid, our youngest lives in New York too. He lives in Brooklyn. How long have y'all been married? Since 84. I'm not good at math. Me neither. That's why I said it that way. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long time. That's a long time. And she's seen every angle of me, uh, which is uh, pretty cool because I remember coming to Nashville back in the day when we were dating and, well, dating, whatever. But I remember I would come, I was living in Kentucky and I would come down and have to borrow money from her to get back home on in Kentucky. And she probably had... I had nothing, and she had just a little more than that. Right. Know, so barely. Was she but, in the music business? No, she was a photographer. Yeah. And ran a lab, a photo lab. When I met her, she she's a brilliant photographer. Uh, still, still has all of her equipment. She don't do. She was when I met her, she was doing the darkroom stuff, film, you know, real right. color film and stuff. She knows that stuff. Used to big time, but through the years, she became more into publishing, music publishing in that way, you know. Administrative. Did she stuff. take care of your stuff? <clears throat> oh yeah, and I started with that Johnny Cash session. You know, I started a, I started a publishing company in '76, and went into BMI and Patsy Bradley, and, and I said I want to start a publishing company. She knew me from with you know, uh, I'd met her once before, but uh, we got to be. I was going to say we got to be friends, you know, through later, but but I went in and met her, and I said Patsy, I'd like to start a publishing company. She goes well you really need to have some cuts, you know, with a major artist. And I said, I just cut this past week with Johnny Cash and Bob Lumen four tracks. Does that count? And she goes, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that counts. That's going to count. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I got my first four cuts and I started a company and everything I've written is in that one company since 76. You've, you've held on to it this whole time. Yeah. Everything. Have you ever, have you ever sold it over? Or, mm -hmm. or? I had an offer when I had some Garth cuts in 90, uh, 97, I guess. I wrote Long Neck Bottle, you mm -hmm. know, with Rick Arns. And we had a couple companies come at us with, because I had another Garth cut. And so, but, and it was a crazy, you know, like Roger Miller used to say, made us an offer we couldn't understand, you yeah. know. But, but I just said, you know what, I'm going to hang on to it. I kind of, Looking back, I kind of go, well, maybe I should have. But I just, everything I've ever done is still in one. If, that, company, if there's so. one thing that's been consistent this whole time, everybody's always said, just do what you can to hold on to your publishing. Yeah, and I've never, like a lot of my writer friends, they've written for a lot of people. And I've always just written for my own little company and my own publishing stuff. So. Have you ever signed other writers? Like, did you ever? I had a writer once. Uh, I've had a couple, but never did really. It never did pan out, really. Be honest with you. Only I tried it a couple of times. I had a kid. I had a kid from Kentucky that was a. He could have been a monster songwriter, and uh, did he, he just not really want it, or he didn't want to leave? I'd set him up appointments with some killer songwriters, and I'd say, "Hey, come down and hang out, and meet these guys," and and he just didn't want to do it. He just he was in his little world in Kentucky, and he died uh, not long after that. He had a. It was just a freak thing. He died at. at really early young age he died and uh just devastating you know he's a great guy really good friend of my brother's too and i mean totally could have been a monster songwriter but it's interesting how you can't you can't want that stuff for other people no and i i knew there's no formulas for it but i did know like you know that if you he'd have come down and he'd networked and did some writer things and met people it, he must not have wanted it yeah. In the right way or something, because he just wasn't interested. He just wanted to, and he was stubborn a little bit too. I love him, but he was stubborn because I would try to, not that I know that much, but I would say, man, why don't you be open-minded to change? No, I'm no, I'm, that's just how I wrote it. <laughs> I go, oh, okay, you know, that's All fine. Right. I don't care. That's for good by me. It's okay. But, uh, so I never did work out. So I just, I truly just wrote after the, those early cuts, you know, I had the Conway cut and the and the uh, 
the Bob Lumen cuts, you know, that I spoke of. And I never really, then I started having some hits and then I right. just basically wrote for myself. I never even thought about writing for other people. It didn't really cross my mind. And then one day my wife being the publisher that she is, she said, you know, you have really never pitched stuff. You ought to, why don't you pitch some things around? And I was like, truly, I'm not just saying this. I was like, Man, I don't know, man. I don't, nobody's going to – I know my stuff, and I right. like my stuff, and it fits me really well, but I'm not sure anybody else will. And, and she goes, well, let's just send a few things out. And we sent some songs around for the first time, and it was like boom, boom. I got a couple cuts, and I was like, gosh. You better is, be – This is really cool. I'm glad you're nice. Because <laughs> if you weren't, I'd be like, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> my wife kiss said, my ass kiss my, right here man <laughs> and Karen goes well I'm going to send I made this nasty demo of Long Neck Bottle and it's nasty it's don't even sound like anything like Garth right and so Karen goes she's really sparred she's uh, where would I be without her but she goes she goes that's I said what do you who's that what do you think that sounds like she goes we ought to pitch some of this stuff and I go well who's that sound like she goes I think Garth would like that and I go oh are you serious and so she goes, I'm going to send it to him. And I go, well, okay. She sent it to his house out in Oklahoma. And boom. He goes, I love this. I went, oh, my God. And then he made it, you know, him and Alan Reynolds made it into what it was. Yeah, it huge. Is. Yeah. And I, they asked me. I was tickled. I, they asked me to play on it. And and uh, so, but then I was like, golly, man. It's, I truly, I'm not being overly uh, humble here. I'm just saying I, it surprised me because – I got three or four cuts, and then it just kept kind of snowballing, and I've been lucky, man. But I'm it, guessing at some point you you stopped being surprised. I mean, when when one thing happens, that's that you can call that luck. And two things happen, okay, real lucky. But three, four, five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like every, every piece of shit you stepped in turned into gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you just keep hammering at it, and you you know, I guess you just. I'm just go. Cool. My saying always is, I just do what I do, and if it happens, it does. If it don't, it's not meant to be. I guess. Yeah. So I just kind of look at it that way. But you know, I get. I've been lucky over the years. You kind of assemble all these cuts, you know. And after a while, you, you know, Karen put together a whole list of artists that did my songs, and I was, I was like, damn, man, you know, surprising. Yeah, it's, it's like, like Kenny Rogers and Alabama and Garth and Keith Urban and Brad Paisley and. You know, not to mention all the all of your hits. Names. Yeah, and then lucky for me, I was, and you know, with Jimmy Bowen, you know, or some of the producers too, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, Tim Dubois and, mm -hmm. and Tony Brown and Jimmy Bowen and a lot of the and Chet certainly started the ball rolling because he was Chet wanted me to do my own stuff. He, you know, they were all those like Jimmy Bowen was always like, write some stuff, bring it to me, I want to hear it. So I was, they were. Did always, you co-write much? I didn't, I didn't yeah. early on, I didn't. And then when I started having my hits, I would get with people like John Hall or, or, uh, you know, uh, gosh, I can't even write off. I can't, you know, uh, Kent Robbins. I loved him, man. Kent, he was great. Uh, but I, you know, Don Slitz, I wrote some with back in the day. So I'd get with some key people and Alan, right. Alan Shamblin, you know, we wrote where the black top, where the black top ends for Keith Urban. God, I love Alan Shamblin. And yeah. He's awesome. He's love my him. favorite people. And uh, Rick Carnes has always been. We've written a lot. Clint Black and I write a ton together. We still do. Still? We still write a lot together. I probably – he's probably cut more of my – if I have a co-writer, he's cut so many of our songs, you know, through the years. And I'm betting that he hasn't taken his mask off the entire COVID. <laughs> you know, <laughs> honestly, I think he's – you, you're going to be surprised when I say I think he's the opposite. He's like, ah, oh, it's he's, It's funny. Because I've heard he's kind of a germ – yeah, now he is that. He's germaphobic. Yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. He's love you, Clint. Where are you? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he, no, no, he's sanitizer. great. Yeah, he no, but he's awesome. We, we've written a ton of stuff together. But that, but I look talk back about on, lightning in a bottle, man. That is, first record yeah. of his. Yeah. Oh, that's a great. I, record. I was in high school. Oh, that's a great record. And I was like, oh my god, you can you can actually make real country music still. I was going out to his place in L.A. when he lived there. And I would uh, I would go out there and just stay. One time, man, you'd love this. We one time he called and he says, "Look, I got a beach house on in Malibu, right on the water, on the beach. That's I'm going to stay there about three weeks." 
And he goes, why don't you come out? We'll stay with me a week and we'll just write songs every day. And so I go, oh, my God, that sounds pretty amazing. And so I I wrote some things. I just started writing some bits of things to have in my pocket. Right. And I went out there and, uh, God, we wrote a dozen songs every day, just that's, all day. That's magical. And we came out and I can, you know, the very first night I'm laying in bed in the ocean. I can hear it just rolling. And, and, and in the middle of the night I woke up and truly, you know how you do this, I woke up and I heard the ocean and I go, the hell is where am i and i'm looking around i don't you know, for just a second and yeah. then so when i walked downstairs clint clint was there with coffee and he and i go well i got an idea for a song and i go he goes what is it and i go did you ever wake up in the middle of the night and wonder where you are and he goes oh yeah and we wrote been there yeah because in the middle of the night i was like just you know i'm feeling the walls oh going, that's the strangest thing in the I world i do that man. do you do it on the road i do all it all the, the time, time. Just for a second, you just go. Like I look, I'll wake up and I'll see a wall. And I'm like, where the hell am I? That wall wasn't there <laughs> yeah. yesterday. I did it today, actually, when I woke up in the hotel room today. I was like, just for a split second. Oh, oh, I know where I am. Okay. Right. Isn't that funny? The road stuff is. Uh, How often are you on the road these days? Like, not, not a lot. I probably I do. I mean, minus COVID. Minus COVID. On a regular year. Oh, last five years, minus COVID. I probably, you know, I'm just. 30 days, 35 dates a year or something like that. I'll just kind of cherry pick and do, I just play cause I want to, yeah. I just want to go play, you know, places I want to play. I play Texas 90% of the time. Right. As long as they want me, I'll just keep playing, you know, right. until they run me off. But yeah, this isn't a job. I can you can be really quit. Sorry. You can't really quit this job. No, I don't know how you do it. You know, and my wife sometimes will go this promise you this is not an ego statement at all but she'll say why are you still wanting to why do you want to do this you don't have to go play you know you could just hang around and paint or do whatever and i go i oh, know but i like doing it i'm a guitar player you know it's you know i'm not lord knows there's not a lot of money in it sometimes right it's not you just do it because you love it you know so but it's what i do so like you i'm sure well 30 years into it. Yeah. Mm. Love doing it. It's like you get up on stage. I don't know what else. I'd be off somewhere or painting a picture or doing something, but I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd be. It's funny. The whole thrill for me is to write a new song and play it for somebody. Yeah, Absolutely. Just see that response. And, you know, the first time I heard somebody else singing my song, it, like I pulled into Tusculum uh, Shopping Center in Antioch, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville one day. And, it's when that Bob Lumen stuff was recorded. And I remember I pulled in and this car pulled in beside me. Summertime, her window was down, my window was down. It was a really good looking girl. Mm -hmm. And she had a country station on and it was playing my song on the Bob Lumen's song that I wrote. <laughs> that's like, Nothing. that's awesome, man. There's only one other thing that's just as good every time as it was the first time. Yeah, and we better move on. <laughs> Yeah, but I wanted to go, hey, I wrote that, you know. Sometimes I can't help myself. Yeah, you, you know, got, when I hear a song from yeah. getting gas or something, and I'm like, <laughs> hey, that. You know, I don't <laughs> want to say anything. <laughs> but, I, you know, it's, it's, that's pretty, that's a cool. And I remember, uh, I remember, too, I remember uh, hearing, first time hearing, well, Clay Walker was one of the early. He cut one of my songs. And I remember hearing that and going like, oh, man, hearing somebody else singing your words. And then Garth did that Garth song, I remember just flipping over it in the studio. I played on it. I played the solo and then he was, his booth was right here. He was looking, watching me. He was making faces, giving me the finger and stuff right. while I was playing. And, and, uh, he's, he's awesome. And, and then, so then I was like, I was on such a high and then they, then I get a call. Oh, he's they're in him and Capitol. It's some litigation. He's not going to do this album for, and then I was like, Man, three years go by. You're kidding me. The Gar I had the Garths, and I played on it, so I heard it. I knew it. I knew how great it was. I knew all about it. And Alan Reynolds produced it. And then, yeah, it's not going to come out. Man, sorry. Garth called me, and he goes, dude, this will come out at some point, but just be patient. It'll come. And it was at the height of what he was doing you know, back right. in the day. GB. And I was just – we, me and Rick Harns, we, he came over, and we talked about it, and we were, like, just heartbroken, like – I was already going like, oh my God, 
I just wanted it to make the album. And then three years really go by three years. And I get a call one day and they, it was somebody at Capitol and they said, I'm not supposed to be telling you this, but Gar's album's coming out next week. And I go, did I make the album? And they go, make the album. Yours is the first Yours single. Is the single. <laughs> it's the first single. And I went, Oh, that's back when, it meant that meant, it meant a lot. Something. Yeah, yeah, and I never <laughs> not just because of how huge he was. But that's that's when we were selling no, records. Yeah, you, know, you had to sell. I remember this true. You'll remember this too. But in those days, you had to sell a half a million units to stay on a record deal. Yeah, keep your deal. You know, like I was Can always. Imagine? I was always going like, oh my god, I got to sell some records, or I'll get. I never did get dropped from a label, but I was worried about it. A few of course, times. you never got dropped from a label. <laughs> <laughs> What a son of a bitch. I hate you. Vince Gill, where are you? Yeah, Vince, you were right. He's an hey, asshole. Ass. Hey, man, thanks for hanging out. Hey, my pleasure, Jack. Really Always good, good to really see you. Really great talking man. to you. Thank you, man. Good to be and with you. It's uh, one of the reasons why I love doing this show is I love being around greatness. Well, man. And well, you and then you got me today. That's cool. So. <laughs> Seriously, no, you're for you're out. the real deal. I mean that too. You're I like I, that's what I like about you. It's you're the real thing. Thanks, and, man. Uh, writer. You know, well, you are too. I like I like that that organic, pure thing that you do. It's 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 I think it's rare too these days. You don't see that so much. The real pure kind of thing and. And, uh, well, that's the thing is like contrived when you open your mouth and you, when you wrote songs, it sounded just like you, that's, that placed you right down the middle of who you were going to be. And it just so happened that it was also what was being played on the radio and fit into that style. And it's just, when I opened my mouth, it just sounds like me and it's like, you know, for <laughs> better, for better and worse. Isn't that wonderful? That's what's good. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, it's great to be with you. I love your show, man. So thanks for having me. Thank you, man. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Steve Warner, everybody. Vince, I'll see Vince and he'll start in on it. I'm nicer than you. That's funny. Two of the luckiest, most talented motherfuckers in the, <laughs> on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vince, man. We get, we've had some fun together. We, we, some of the stuff we played on that Mark O'Connor stuff was really cool. Yeah, that right? was cool. Yeah, me and him and Ricky. And he, he's like a lot like me. We're a lot alike in that way, or we just are give a shit. Or well, something. when it comes natural. <clears throat> yeah, I, he's really just. The guitars are just, and the voice is just an extension of Yeah, your body. I mean, he just, yeah, he's pretty fun stuff. Oh, you can have it. Have it. No, I'll, I'll take, take it. Hell yeah, I'll take it. Absolutely. Yeah, hold on, I got a few more. Yes. That was fantastic. I really enjoyed talking. Yeah, same here. We've never had a chance.